It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Well, welcome to All in the Game with me, Nick Smith, and joined with me is Rob Goodman as well, I'm afraid. Uh, no Neil Atkinson this week, and Dave Downey is somewhere on the M62, possibly at the Rocket. We're not sure yet, but he'll be here as quick as he can. So, uh, joined with me is, of course, Rob Goodman from the Anfield Rap. Good evening to you, Rob. Hi, hi. Well, I'll uh, I'll start by just jumping straight into it as we await for Dave. We'll sort of make a big announcement when he pops in the studio, <laughs> but uh, maybe he's parking his car. We're not sure as of yet. But um, we'll jump into transfers because we'll bring all the Derby stuff in once Dave gets here. And I think initially you've got quite a few things to say regarding this Mohamed Salah deal. We've heard comments from Ian Air today essentially saying that it wasn't the case that Liverpool underbid or there was anything... Um, untoward with the negotiation it's simply that the player didn't want to sign for him once he knew that Chelsea were interested his mind was made up do you see that as uh, as covering for anything at all it, it, you know, it's hard to... Ian Eyre has the privilege of knowing exactly what went on, so I can only comment from the outside mm. and the perception of Liverpool fans who, uh, along with me, are very, very frustrated. And maybe it's just frustration I'm, I'm going to uh, vent now. But it's it's hard not to ask, if Ian Eyre was here, that there was there seemed to be a window, no pun intended, of opportunity in the early par- part of uh, January to have gone to a club like Basel and said, here's, here's, our, here's a really top offer here. Let's do a deal within a matter of days. And let's do a deal before any club can even sort of uh, grind into gear and do something. And I think Liverpool missed that opportunity. Um, cynics might say, well, Chelsea were, were always going to pounce last minute. But it's not often not how football transfers work. We often see cases of managers going, oh, no, he's available, let's go for it. I think Liverpool had a chance to do this deal and were possibly penny-anteing at the wrong time. I mean, we can see if we use the Matter deal as a bit of a contrast, it kind of looks like United got wind that he was available, they knew there was a certain price, they put it forward, and the deal was done. Could it have been done that simply if earlier on in the month, you know, Rodgers had his target and he knew he was, whatever, £12 million, £15 million, whatever the eventual deal was, and then they could have closed it up and even before Chelsea had a sniff? Yeah, you don't get the impression. I'm sure United have been uh, have, have had their eye on matter for a few months, but you don't get the impression that they offered Chelsea 20 million uh, on the hope that they might settle somewhere in between at 28. They knew the asking price. They knew Chelsea had a. a, a uh, a proposition on their hands in matter a decent player who wasn't going to move cheaply so they thought pay the going rate do what and they know they knew their season is decimated without this kind of uh, signing and Liverpool okay they've it's been a very impressive first half of the season but it's still on a knife edge Th- those big one or two signings are very very much required so you, you kind of think well we thought we could get him for eight nine million the asking price may have been 12 13 million have have we not penny pinched at, at the crucial stage I mean looking just looking at that back line as well and the ways that injuries have decimated, I think a lot of Liverpool fans coming out of the summer would have thought, you know, we, we can't move for defenders here, but now we're looking at a back line of um, Flanagan, potentially, uh, Torre, Skirtle in the middle, and we're not sure yet whether um, Sissoko may play on the right or whether uh, Martin Kelly may get may get a rare appearance. So you're thinking, will Brendan Rodgers kind of be pushed into the transfer market? But by all accounts, he seems to be saying, look, we're not panic buying. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna close up shop until the summer if nothing really becomes available. On the one hand, you, 
the, the sympathy with a position that says let's only buy quality. Mm. We, we've we've seen money wasted on squad players, and I think the, the way you buy, the way you improve a squad is you don't buy for the squad, you buy for the first team and make the good players who are in the first team now become squad players. That's how you improve. And I think Brendan's. Uh, adhering to that principle, and that's what he's trying to say. But that doesn't change the fact that the job's got to be done. There's a target for all those involved, himself, Ian Eyre, the transfer committee, the lawyers involved. They have to get the job done. It isn't really acceptable to go, well, you know, the value wasn't out there. How many windows can you truly say that? And we look at uh, the summer, Liverpool bought, did actually buy proverbial squad players, kids for the future, but they didn't significantly buy for the first team. So that's possibly two windows will have gone through where Brendan's, it's the same mantra really from Brendan. We need players for the first team, the first 11. Again, it's not happened. At what point does it become first time's an accident, second time's more than careless? I mean, we compare it to last year. Last January, we see Sturridge come on board, Coutinho come on board. Two players that made an instant impact and you know, by all in large had a massively effective contribution on Liverpool's second half of the season where things really, really started to pick up. And I, I guess maybe fans are just feeling a little bit desolate that it hasn't happened this time around. Yes, and uh, and you have to ask yourself, was it, uh, you know, I, I, are people dining out on that summer, <laughs> that, that success too long? It was, you know, fair play and, and, and uh, everybody got it right that, that time. But in that occasion, there wasn't great competition for the signatures of those players. Sturridge, there wasn't competition for, and, and Coutinho, I think, apart from Southampton and Pochettino who'd had him at, the, at his Spanish club uh, there wasn't serious competition for him either so we got two players where there, there, where there wasn't that competition and they did very well this last window in the summer January the impression is that the players we wanted other people wanted too so we have to adjust the strategy I feel we have to go well we have to go the extra nine yards we have to put another five million on the value if that's the case with your eyes kind of scouting across Europe were there any any other potential targets um, given the salad deal fell through that Brendan Rodgers should have gone for? Uh, you know, I'm not a scout. I mean, I, there's one thing I'll give Liverpool credit for, <laughs> one thing I say harshly, but the thing that, that came out of the summer was that p the, 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 the scouting element was good. Uh, the scouting element, Liverpool looked at Diego Costa, Henrik Mkhitaryan and Willian, and they all seem to be decent players. Mm. So you have to be fair fair to the scouting department that they pick the right targets. I don't know who they've been after this uh, this window. There's been mentions of Conor Plianka, uh, from the somewhere in the East, I can't pretend to know where, even today Tom Ince. So there's wingers abounding, but Liverpool need to close the deal for one. Well, uh, I'm delighted to say that uh, Dave Downey has made it into the tower. He's just joined me in the studio. So we'll put a, a bit of an injection of blue into this all in the game. So uh, I'll get... Are you ready to introduce yourself, Dave? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll let you move into my position. Here we go. <sighs> If you liked it here, Dave. Well, you know what, Rob? Incompetence is the word of the day. Yeah, okay, um, talk us through it. Yeah, well, I, I was stuck on the M6 for the best part of two hours. Uh, and then I was walking through St John's Precinct to get to the show. I thought, I should make it on time. Mm. And, uh, you know, the ding-dong bells going off saying, please make your way to the nearest exit. Uh, the nearest exit, turns out there was just one available in the entire precinct. You got, got lost in the labyrinth at St John's. Which was the other end of the precinct, so uh, <laughs> do excuse me, all of our devoted listeners. And uh, thanks very much for Nick, who's filled in. Uh, right, what were you talking about? Is there some sort of game? We were talking about yeah. Liverpool and transfers, and that's, that's one match we're not winning. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're, we're two nil down on transfers here. You uh, you lot are doing quite well. You've signed Lucina Troy and Magidi. Um, I think are both available for tomorrow. Uh, I'm not entirely. It's a bit of a mystery for both really at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. They're, they're very much keeping the cards close to the chest. Um, I certainly think Magidi will probably play. Um, 
he did okay against Stevenage. Um, and then you're looking. At, I think I think Traore, by all accounts, is a little bit off fitness-wise. But it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he did come on just for an impact as a sub. As a sub, yeah. yeah I can't see him starting. Uh, no. But you know, I, I did have an agenda written as well, Rob, which is the sad thing. I can't even access that at the moment. I just feel like crying, breaking down. It's <laughs> been one it. of them days, mate. I've always got an agenda, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I know Trust that. me, I'm boiling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, <clears throat> let's get a little bit into the. the uh, I would think things will line up tomorrow. I mean, Liverpool, Bournemouth, yeah. a stronger side out than I expected. Yeah, I think I, I, there's not going to be many changes from that Liverpool team. Um, we're looking at John Flanagan, who came on a sub. He seems nailed on to start. Uh, will it be at the expense of Ali Sissoko or Martin Kelly? I don't think anyone's certain just yet. Uh, Kelly's struggling for fitness. Ali Sissoko's struggling for goodness. <laughs> Without trying to be too harsh on the lad. Um, so it's very... It, it's, not, it's not easy to say exactly where Flanagan comes in, but come in, he cer- almost certainly will. Um, Skirtle seems OK, and, Sa- and Sacco and Torre, they will form the, the centre-half partnership. There was some deliberation was that whether Sacco would come I mean, but Brendan Rodgers has indicated that he's two to three weeks away. So any any ideas Liverpool might have had about playing three at the back are gone. Liverpool's form, Liverpool's team and formation, more importantly, picks itself here. Joe Allen's all but been ruled out by Brendan Rodgers as well. So the only r- changes I see from Bournemouth are Flanagan in for one of the fullbacks and Sterling in for Moses. Yeah, I, I think it was interesting the, the Villa lineup and a, a lot of people pointed some fingers at, at Rodgers, yeah, saying it was pretty much disrespectful towards Aston Villa. So ironic then that when, when you guys he, are going to get disrespected and then yeah, some yeah. exactly it's we, ironic. we don't have a choice it's ironic that that's going to be the lineup against Everton but I mean surely he's got to be into these into into those lads saying it's certainly the front four or five saying look we need a more disciplined approach here yeah, I, th- I you know the formation is going to be at least as attacking as it was against Villa. Mm. They've just got to adopt a different style. I think he's just going to say, "I, I know you're natural flair players, but rest- he's going to say to the likes of Coutinho and Sterling, I would hope you're going to have to sit a little deeper and be a little bit more compact and compete, as they actually did at Tottenham when we played a pretty attacking lineup. And so you're going to have to earn the right to play here. You can't sit there, wait to get the ball and take on Everton. Otherwise, they'll play play in front of you all all day long. The really interesting one for me is, I mean, I, I've, I've turned into a big fan of Jordan Henderson, having originally slated the lad for, you know, the best part of 18 months. You read Curious Blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been called worse. <laughs> um, and he, he really interests me, the, the types of positions he can play, mm. because he, he he's become a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, and uh, I think he was very much a victim of that when he first came to Liverpool. He wasn't quite sure, the manager wasn't quite sure which position to stick him in. I think this in this derby, it's very much forced upon him where he's got to play. Uh, his energy's always been his main attribute, getting about, getting in front of people, getting in your face, and his confidence has grown because of that. Um, I, I think it's interesting how his role will develop in this derby, and certainly next to Steven Gerrard, who hasn't got the legs that Henderson has. Um in contrast to the first derby, where I thought Henderson would be the one who prompted in, in the midfield and, and get about as much as he could in support of uh, Suarez Coutinho in, in the first derby, I think it'd very much be a, a little bit more of a subdued role for him. Yeah, Henderson. Henderson's the interesting one. You're absolutely right, Dave. There's a lot of focus on Gerrard in the midfield at the moment. Is he a strong link? Is he a mm. weak link, g- given his ageing legs? But I think that, given Liverpool's lack of resources with Allen and Lucas out, um, Henderson is the key. Henderson 
for most of Brendan Rodgers' reign, when he's been picked, and he has been picked all, all the time this season, has played in a very offensive way. It, it reminds me of the old David Platt role. Yeah. He'd be tempted to run beyond the strikers, but also a hard-working, pressing player. But not so much getting on the ball getting his head up, looking to pass it, or sitting deep and making tackles. Not really. His tackles are made in the other, uh, other in the opposition's uh, uh, half. But I felt against Villa, I don't know what his brief was, but him and Gerrard were always 20, 30 yards apart. So mm -hmm. I thought, considering we've only got two in the middle, these boys need to be together. They need to never be more than 10, 15 yards apart. There seemed to be a little bit of a change against Bournemouth, but not enough for my liking. Uh, and I'm not sure whether it's instructional or Henderson's just got too used to playing further up the pitch. To me, he can do it. I've seen him for England under 21, and he's as a, as a midfield general, someone who sits deep, looks to spray it like a junior Gerrard. Yeah. And I think he needs to do that tomorrow, as Liverpool will be in trouble. See, I, I think it'll be really interesting, that battle between him and potentially James McCarthy. Yeah. I think you're looking at two very young, up-and-coming, really strong midfield characters. Yeah. Uh, I think that'll be a fascinating battle. Um, yeah, they're not dissimilar, are they? Both don't yeah. score goals, but have it all in their yeah. locker. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very much... I love the energy about them. It's a real, yeah. it's, it's real crowd-pleaser when you look at them. Yeah. Um, focus a little bit on Gerard before we get to the break. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of eyebrows were raised when he was pulled back to this defensive midfield role and told to sit there... Uh, it didn't quite work out. Where do you see him, not just for this derby, but also his his sort of prospects for the rest of the season, positionally? It's hard to say because of the injuries that are key at the yeah. moment. I mean, personally, and I think a lot of Liverpool fans I know certainly would agree with me, if everyone was fit, we'd love him, people, to, him, uh, the manager still to uh, give Stephen Gerrard the chance to be a threat further forward. But uh, in Brendan Rodgers' mind, that's not even an option now. So even if he's not the deepest man in this sort of semi-quarterback role he's playing now, he's always going to be in, in his own half more often than not. How's he doing at it? He did well at Stoke, actually, in the first game they tried. And he was often the last line of defence. Mm. He was very much a heroic version of himself, you know, making, making uh, saving tackles. Against Villa... Uh, he looked lost. Uh, and that's because Villa ploughed so many men forward and he was isolated. Now, a lot of Liverpool fans focused their, their, their ire on him. And I felt, in a way, it was either tactical or Jordan Henderson's fault, to be <laughs> yeah. honest with you. As I said, they were too far <clears throat> apart. He was on his own. Uh, I've got a feeling this is a very going to be a very, very sort of a flagship derby for Steven Gerrard. Uh, you know he's going to give an an immense amount of effort. Mm. You could see that at Anfield in the last derby in the spring, um, when it was nil-nil, I think. Uh, he put in so much work. He was determined <coughs> to drag Liverpool through through that derby and to, w to win it or at least not lose. And I think we'll get that kind of performance from him. But whether Everton tactically can expose him and Jordan Henderson doesn't get close enough to him, I think that'll be key. He could, he could get embarrassed, severely embarrassed, and that's a real fear. Yeah, it, it is. It, from an Evertonian perspective, I think, I think looking at Stephen Gerrard, it, it's it's a relief to see he's not the player he once was. Mm. Having said that, you still talk about him with a bit of trepidation because you know that effort and he's still got that magic about him anyway, you know. Yeah. A, 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 even a set piece, he's still got that in his locker. So, yeah, I mean, you're far from writing him off. It was interesting, I was talking to Jim Borman last week uh, about Stephen Gerrard and in, in, in relation to Jordan Henderson, actually, with um, this weight of the sheer thing that Brendan initially spoke about in terms of Jordan and how that expectation playing for Liverpool probably figured more in how he played than he would have liked to in his initial time with Liverpool. Um, it's interesting that, you know, the, the boots on the other foot, as it were, talking about Gerrard, because um, a lot of Liverpool fans certainly don't think he's beyond being dropped. Yeah. 
uh, and a lot of saying that he's sort of uh, uh, Rogers is accommodating him. Regardless, you know, regardless of how he's playing, Rogers will find the role for Steven Gerrard. Is that is that because of the weight of the shirt, as it were? And this is a Liverpool legend that Brendan Rodgers is working with. I mean, I'd like to think that if it was a more experienced man, say for instance Kenny, hmm. who was in charge, would he have? I'm, I'm going to say the bottle, as it were, but it's not the right term to use to drop him. Or is Brendan simply accommodating him because he is Steven Gerrard? I might differ from a lot of Liverpool fans on this, but I think the idea of dropping Steven Gerrard is bordering on insane. Yeah. I just think people... Uh, it's his glass is half full, half empty time here. He is an enormously talented footballer still, and he contributes in every single match. There are games where he... Do, he you know, he has, he's clearly not the footballer he was, but the footballer he was was a top three, four footballer in the world, and it's no disgrace to not be that anymore. Uh, he reminds me of Roy Keane in his dotage a bit, where you could go, yeah, he's not the same footballer, but you'd, you'd put him on the pitch every single mm. time. And if you can't use a player with that talent effectively, then God help you as a team and a manager. There is a case for saying, you know what, in this game, we could use him for the last half hour as an impact sub. I'm not saying there's, there's not a case for managing him, managing his, managing his fitness, managing his legs, the way United do with Ryan Giggs, uh, although Giggs is that bit older. That's that's a reasonable proposition. But I think there's a, there, there's a core of Liverpool support which are just readying themselves to write Gerrard off. And it's, it's a complex series of issues. Why? Because they held him in such such esteem that they, that they now can't bear to see him in decline or some, some fans maybe held him to account for the situation with previous managers, it gets very political sometimes, and you wonder if people see the wood for the trees. Mm, it's interesting you say that when it, it's such a. I mean, Liverpool have always, particularly more recently, have been. You know, it's a it's a pop ever debate, isn't it? I mean, fans are pulling all different directions, but Steven Gerrard seems to epitomise that. Certainly, as he's getting older, certainly as he's playing in these different roles. I mean, do you have a preferential role for him right now? If it was me now, I would still be trying to flog maybe the dead horse of trying to get him in the last third. I want. I think he can score goals, and I, you know those. I would. Roger spent last summer trying to find an attacking midfield player, or uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan, particularly. Mm. Well, I've mentioned him before tonight, and he wanted that that the guy with the legs. To, to arrive late in the box, to run beyond the forwards. And I think Gerard managed efficiently, could still be that guy. Um, I don't know, I don't see him in training, and Brendan Rodgers is a good manager, so far be it from me to tell him he's totally wrong here. He is going with what I think a lot of those outside Liverpool have thought of Gerard for years. Surely he's a, he's a, he's a hard-tackling, uh, controlling central midfielder. That's been the perception, I think, from outside Liverpool. And often there's the perception of fans within Liverpool is that Gerard himself wants the central role, and then he's bullied managers into putting him there um, that's caused some of the divide I don't know I just think you get him on the pitch that's the main thing there is also of course the other factor is his leadership ability yeah um, Rogers does keep stressing that and people can quickly go past it they did with Karagrafeld in his latter years as well but but players listen to him I think he's half giving the team talks he mm. certainly is for England I mean Roy, uh, yeah. Roy Hodgson has all but said I sit back and let Stephen do the team talks uh, I think Rogers is, is a different character obviously but I think he's very happy for the, the level of motivation Gerrard brings. Yeah, well, again, there's an Evertonian head. Far sooner see a Liverpool lineup without Stephen Gerrard than, yeah. uh, than with him. Right, we're off. For, I'm glad to say we're off for the drinks break. Jake's going to go and get me a hell of a lot of water. We're back in a couple of minutes. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. 
Welcome back. It's all in the game. It's Dave Downey. It's Rob Gutman. Uh, slightly compact version of the show for uh, for reasons beyond my control this evening. Uh, so yeah, slightly shortened version tonight. But we're going to get onto a little bit about the the Everton threat um, in terms of what you fear going into this. My anxiety is basically with pre- pre- yeah, prefacing this out. Yeah. Well, I, I always find that all in the game. Um, obviously, we have the Anfield rap. We have the Blue Room on City Talk, and they're very much bigging up our own sides I sort of feel all in the games where you sort of you know let, let all your anxieties go and uh, <laughs> your fears and everything comes out on the table so it's confessional isn't it it is yeah so um, my the, blue blues yeah. <laughs> so I thought frankly here my yeah. confession Dave yeah um, we were talking a little bit in the break about Ross Barkley and it's very interesting what Martin is today in his press conference I did see his quotes he said those who've got niggles are very close to returning. Um, oh, dear. So, reading between the lines, I'm thinking that means either Barkley, possibly Seamus Coleman, uh, and maybe I, even Stephen Pienaar. I thought he'd all but ruled Coleman out. The, that was Those were the headlines. Yeah, but his injury was uh, slight soft tissue damage, and uh, his timeout was projected to be two to three weeks. So, so Distan Jagielka, Coleman... And uh, Barkley are all going to play. Yeah. yeah well, that's, that, that'd be right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, be luck, it, yeah. It's funny how much Ross Barkley sort of figures in this uh, all of a sudden. I mean, we looked last season, and obviously it's well documented, how Moyes treated him and how he was virtually nowhere near the scene yeah. while Moyes was in charge. And he's burst onto the scene now, and he's very much, you know, he's, he's pivotal to Everton at the moment. Um, if he is back... I probably see that as the difference between taking a draw and Everton potentially winning this game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Come off. I don't watch Everton week in, week out. Yeah. I, st- I studiously avoid doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, actually, the tax, my confession is I do watch a lot of Everton, hoping they won't win. But uh, I, my first 90-minute-ish view of Barkley was the derby, the 3-3, and I turned to my mate next to him and went, oh, no, he's like he's like Gascoigne. Hmm. I thought, this is not what we need to happen on the blue side of Merseyside. Yeah. From a red point of view, we don't want this. He's, he's very, very talented. Um, He's probably lacking goals yet, and I've probably created a horrible jinx, and <laughs> they'll come tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think it's, you're, I, I can only violently agree, Dave. It's If you don't have Ross Barkley, you're lacking a major threat going forward. As simple as that. Well, it's simply for me as well, the option if Barkley isn't there, which is probably Leon Osman. Yeah. Um, Who always has a good derby, as we talked about He, he does, yeah. We, we spoke on the Anfield Rap yesterday saying that Leon Osmond, you know, for all he, he is one of the boo boys yeah. at Everton. When things go wrong, Leon Osmond and, and Tony Hibbert are generally the ones who get it the hardest. Because they're local. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, which is extremely unfair mm. to those of us with who like to think we've got a sane eye on things. Uh, but it's still a step down to what Ross Barkley could offer Everton in this derby. Uh, and the, the funny thing that I really like about Ross Barkley, I like the fact that he makes mistakes in a funny way. Um, because it, it, it's great to see a player progress from that to what he will potentially come, be, become in future years. I mean, um, again, we spoke on the Anfield Raptor me about Steven Gerrard, uh, how raw a talent when he first burst onto the team. But yeah. you make those mistakes and you see them, uh, decision-making isn't quite up there with what you'd see from a player of their ilk when they're 28, 29. Uh, and it's really good to see how that sort of develops. In terms of this derby, it, it fascinates me. With Liverpool's shortage in midfield, I think Everton would be... I mean, it's a massive chance to exploit 
at Liverpool in that yeah. area if Ross Barkley's playing. Yes, special players back themselves. And Ross, yeah. Ross Barkley is that sort of player, isn't he? He he does make mistakes. I saw him make mistakes in the derby, but then you thought he, he's going to he's going to do something from nothing here. And um, it's a, he's a rare rare talent. Liverpool's midfield. I you know I know gleeful <laughs> Blues who are who are relishing the midfield battle and think think Liverpool are very very vulnerable. I'm kind of hoping we'll surprise people here. We 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 hold dear our performance at Tottenham. It was it was it was the blueprint, mm. you know, <laughs> the red print yeah. for for Liverpool. Uh, and we saw players like Raheem Sterling and Coutinho being combative in the way that. Our, in the way that, you know, if I draw a lofty comparison, Alex Ferguson's Man United were, they often played, people forget this, a, a, a virtual 4-2-4 formation. When he had people like Giggs and Kanchelskis in wide positions, I think he had Inson Keane behind them and the fantastic defensive midfielders. But you've got two pure wingers there. But he did ask them to, to tuck in, track, track uh, attacking players back. And they were still able to function as a defensive force. And Liverpool may have to learn on the job here, but then tomorrow's a big test of that. If you've got Coutinho and Sterling, and you're talking about you know d- discipline is, is the word that I used uh, in terms of them tucking in, tracking back, uh, certainly negating the threat of our fullbacks if it is Coleman and Baines. Yeah, our Coutinho. I mean, I, I, I see Coutinho. He's a he's a dogged midfield. I think he's a lot stronger than a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah, uh, I, I do question what Sterling does offer. In that department, that's that's the one that'll surprise you, Dave. Yeah. You know, if you're not a regular red watcher, Sterling's the one who's come on in leaps and bounds defensively. To the extent that we played him a couple of times as a right wing back, and he actually did very, very well. Uh, I don't know if I'd fancy him against a flying winger all, all evening long or all day long. Uh, but no, he's definitely defensive. Again, that Tottenham performance, which we keep harking on about, that's what defined that one. Mm. Is he chased down Tottenham? His pressing was superb, more so than Coutinho. Coutinho, you do see him occasionally, Harry nick the ball high up the pitch but once the ball's behind him is he going to leg it back the extra 20 yards has he got the inclination to do that Sterling has more so I think yeah the, the other one for me as well I mean he's been quite poor lately and uh, I'm sure a lot of Evertonians certainly would agree with me he got an awful lot of unjustified flack in, in last week against West Brom was Lukaku uh, he shed the dreadlocks and he just looks like a five year old now <laughs> uh, it's, it's, like the, it's like the dreadlocks made his body they were part of his body as soon as he shaved them off I think he looks like it's five like, foot shorter it's like Rude Hullet look like that do you know what it is Is when, when players with dreadlocks or long hair even yeah. turn the, the hair swishes the other way and they just, it just has got that sort of matador thing that fans yeah. get excited about I, I, you just want to be stupid about it for a minute the, the, whether it actually intimidates in some way defenders they just see that sort of, I don't know, that sort of, that sort of beast that looks like yeah, they're animalistic they, sort of thing. virtually fly, yeah. 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 Remember Batistuta when he had long hair, <laughs> yeah. all those sort of players. I don't know, you know, this is, uh, I'd love to, <laughs> I hope Sh- Sh- sharing his locks has done for Lukaku, but I yeah. doubt it. He's a good player. He, he is, and, um, you know, he did get an awful lot of flack last week, but I think he's only scored one in the last nine, so you know exactly on red hot form. Is that really? Is that? Is I think it is. Yeah, or wow. one. Might be one in seven. One certainly around that region, um, and he, he seems to me. Look, he looks like he needs a break. The lad. Having said that, he seems to really rise against the challenge of playing Liverpool. Mm. Liverpool seem to fit his game. Um, yeah, I hate that when that happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you know, you, you do fear that. I mean, there are players who will score against certain teams, and getting two on your derby debut is a, yeah. is an ominous thing. And you know, his muscle memory will will respond to Anfield. I have no doubt he'll put in a good performance tomorrow. Well, particularly with um, with with Sacco out as well. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, that Physicals. that is a massive blow. Yeah, Torre on his day. 
can compete. Skirtle over-competes at times. Um, neither of them can deal with uh, a 100% version of Lukaku, in my opinion. He's just too powerful. But then again, I don't think many in the world can. Well, I, you know, Lukaku's a, an, an exciting talent. It pains me to say it. I, you know, I watched him against that game for Belgium, I think, when they qualified or mm. near qualified earlier in the season, and he scores two, including one run from his own half. Yeah. And it's all pace and power. I don't think any on the world can live with him yeah. in, in that form. He, he looks like a young Didier Drogba, only with more pace. So uh, I don't fancy Skirtle and Torre against an informed Lukaku but it's which Lukaku we get Right we're going to take another short break just before we do to tee up the final part do you do you think this result ultimately decides who finishes top four? Uh, who finishes higher at Liverpool than yeah, Everton? Sorry, yeah sorry um, It's I'd like to say no. I think I think a Liverpool win would be a body blow for Everton, but yeah. I don't think it would finish it, no. Right, we're going to discuss top four when we come back. We're back in a couple of minutes. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back, it's all in the game. Rob Gutman in for Neil Atkinson this week with myself, Dave Downey. Uh, hopefully Neil is back in action next week. I haven't seen him for weeks. Uh, don't know what he's up to, don't know what he looks like anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they look a hell of a lot different to Liverpool lose tomorrow, Rob. <laughs> Yeah. And sound. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Neil's been resting himself for a yeah. couple of weeks. He'll be match fit I get, next I, week. I got the impression after the Villa game he did. Uh, he exercised his vocal cords a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I, I did the, the show with him and he said, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk at all because <laughs> my voice is going. And then he, he talked more than I've ever heard him talk before. Yeah. By the next day, he was done. Yeah, that's typical Atkinson, isn't it? What a pro. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to talk a little bit about the top four. Uh, it's an interesting line for midweek games. Yeah. Uh, strange sort of time, and I think, after the FA Cup weekend uh, United certainly be the side that have made the most noise in the last week certainly signing one matter but also the release today on Sky conveniently at the same time as uh, Juan's press conference that Wayne Rooney Robin Van Persie and Marouane Fellaini are all back yeah. for this Cardiff game supposedly so uh, out of absolute nothing and how any other team could do it, I don't think they could. There's a feel-good factor around Man United oh, yeah. at the moment. It's like a stage-managed gloom-lifting exercise. They've yeah. gone for they've gone from absolute crisis club to, you know, everyone's favourite. Let's up and Adam team. You know, if those if those guys are actually named in the team, she's going to be a carnival atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Cardiff are lambs to the slaughter. The odds are going to tumble. It's you know, it's it's just horrible to contemplate. Quite frankly, I would love nothing more than to come a cropper in that one with. All those lads, yes. Yeah. One matter making his debut. They come a cropper in that one, then uh, Davy Moyes is going to be in a lot of trouble. The pressure's on him, and yes, I think it'll lift for him as well. It almost reminds me a little bit of what he did at Everton with Moyes, sort of getting that underdog status. That's yeah. what it almost feels like at the moment with Man United. He's going to be an overdog by tomorrow morning, though. <coughs> that, he's going to have to deal with that. The, the weight of expectation is going to be back. But then again, he's going to have world-class players available to him. Um, he's going to be waking up feeling a lot happier than he has done over the previous weeks. It's hard to see, even with a low-key performance, that they won't rattle in two or three against Cardiff, and it could be a really big score if those lads are fit. And, of course, with that you know, expected win there, they're within, what, 
uh, I think it'll be if Everton lose two points, if Liverpool lose three points. Well, let's let's they'll want us both to draw. Yeah. So Liverpool have got six points on them. So a win will bring them in within four of Liverpool. Yeah. And three of Everton. And yeah. three of Everton. So they're they're hardly out of anything really. They're well, they definitely no. They are out of the title race, but they're certainly not out of the race for fourth. And I think at this stage, quite frankly, Moyes will, if he, if he could wave a magic wand and finish fourth now, a he'd take it, and b I think more importantly, the fans would take it. Yeah. No, it's sort of what scares me a lot when we laugh at them every week. Yeah. It is with real trepidation. I, I've said many a times, you know, don't write them off yet. Really, do not write them off yet. And uh, they were just looking at t- pictures of him on the screen there. Now he looks like, uh, well, he looks like he's found some just for men as well. <laughs> um, in terms of their threat for fourth, I, mean, I know Spurs are creeping up on the rails as well. Do you see United as the main threat to Everton and Liverpool? I think you've got to for a while longer, and uh, and possibly the threat's going to really materialise in the next few weeks. We'll see. We could do with them having a hard game soon. I've got a feeling they might be playing Arsenal in the next two or three they, weeks. They do go to Arsenal, well, certainly before mid-February, I think, because Arsenal have that horrible run. I think we've got Liverpool twice. Bayern. Uh, yeah. Bayern and Man United, yeah. It'd be nice to see Arsenal check any mini-revival that they're now due. You know they're going to beat Cardiff. Maybe they're, I I'm not sure they've got at the weekend, but you can see them rattling in a couple of wins, maybe even a third. And you'd like to see Arsenal check that check that uh, stride of theirs. Um, you have to say that you know the old "don't write them off" adage. They have to be the main threat. A lot of people are trying to be clever and say Tottenham are. Watch how Tottenham have stealthily crept their mm. way in. Um, and of course, they can't be written off, and they've got a, they've got a very good squad. But I feel something still. In, although Sherwood's done well at early doors, I think there's an intrinsic weakness there. I think their squad actually isn't as strong. They've quietly over the last two years lost three players, which made Harry Redknapp's Tottenham look a prospect. They've lost Van der Vaart, more importantly, Modric and Bale. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they've replaced any of those lads. They've got Lamala, they spent 30 million on, who can't get in the team and might get loaned out. They've got Soldado, who I don't think scored more than a goal in open play in the league all season. Uh,. Ericsson is doing well, but he's he's still he's still hit and miss. So I'm not seeing where this incredible squad is. I think they've got a lot of seven out of ten players, but I think they've they're lacking now those nine out of ten players they once had. They haven't got anyone that terrifies you individually. Well, the worst thing you can possibly do, I think, when you're replacing Gareth Bale with what at least half a dozen that they spent on, you know, you you can't experiment mid-season with what your best team is. Surely the time they should have done it. I mean, they, they they dwindled so long on that Bale deal. The the lads they all got in were all coming in. You know, the the, the back end of August when the season started. You you know you, you're tinkering for a while to yeah. you know your best team, and he still probably doesn't know it. Couple that with a change of manager. You know, you can, you could you know, from one point of view, you could say they've done really well to get where they are back in the in the home for fourth. Yeah. But on the other hand, you can see where those downfalls are inevitably inevitably going to come. Yeah, it seems a bit daft. You know, in a way, us talking negatively about Tottenham when they're on the back of a decent run. Uh, they got held at home by West Brom quietly a, a couple of weeks ago, which nobody made a song and dance about because they'd won at Old Trafford. Um, although I don't think winning at Old Trafford is quite the scalp it once was, mm. obviously. It might change again soon. So I'm not sure about Tottenham. The jury's out. I want to see what happens to Tim Sherwood when they hit their first skid. They are going to lose a match somewhere soon and possibly uh, in the next couple of days because they're, they're at home to City. Uh, they're going to be very fired up to, to get something. A draw, I think they 
they'd take now and consider a moral victory. But I think if they take a beating there, and a City do, do a number on them, a City can do, you do wonder, will Sherwood pick them up again or will some doubts creep in? Absolutely. Um, I, I, I seem to speak with Neil every week, and I didn't want to pull him up on it because I think it was as early as last week. Yeah. That he was saying Liverpool and Everton aren't out of the title race. I mean, we, we spoke a lot, I think, the last time you are on about a gap sort of developing between the top three and then to fourth and then obviously there's four teams in the race for fourth and obviously the rest of the, the fodder further down the league. Yeah. Do you see third out of sight for our teams? It's not technically out of sight, but, yeah, you know, and, and all clichés abound, stranger things have happened in football, but you asked me to put serious money on this one. I, there's definitely a, two or three mini-leagues going mm. on now. The, the top three are pulling away, and I don't think there's any logic that says that they won't continue to pull away even slightly further. Um, and that's, then it comes down to this four-cornered this four uh, cornered race for, for fourth. Beyond that, then, there's a little a tiny cluster of mid-tablers, Newcastle and Southampton, possibly in a mini-league of their own, and then the rest. I don't think there's a case for thinking that, that any of the four below the top three are going to suddenly re-enter the title race. One of them needs to suddenly bolt now and have a four-game winning sequence. I'm not sure I see that yeah. happening. In terms of Everton and Liverpool, I think the both sides approach fourth place from very different angles. Uh, from an Everton point of view, I see it as it's almost a bonus if we get in the Champions League we've got a new manager although many Evertonians would see it as a disaster if we didn't uh, it's very much still a transitional season you know it's very very easy to forget that given the success we've had so far with Liverpool I sort of see it as it'll be one of those seasons I think we sort of touched on it on the Anfield wrap if you, if you get a chance to listen to it um, that it'll be looked at in future years as a massive chance missed if you don't get it yeah, I, I think that's how it's been, it's, it's been thought about at the moment. And that's why I think even Neil thinks the title is a massive chance. But it's not, not with the gap that's emerged. It might have been a massive chance at Christmas. But <laughs> Liverpool had a chance to, to, to make a statement at City and Chelsea and just weren't strong enough. The depth in the squad wasn't there. Liverpool, they started the season. It's hard to think back. It seems like an aeon ago now, the yeah. August. Uh, did any of us expect that we'd finish in the top four? I don't think anybody did. I think we thought we had a fighting chance of doing so. I think our expectations, wherever the teams relatively are, are always 10 or 20% higher than Everton's yeah. because, of our, because of our heritage. Uh, it may not be reasonable, but Liverpool expectations are there more so. What are the connotations if Liverpool don't finish in the top four this season? Because obviously there'll be a question mark on Suarez, regardless of, of, of what, you know, that, that's basically a given, given the, what you'd think had, had gone on with his contract negotiations. Also in terms of Brendan Rodgers' future, how does that sort of weigh into Liverpool's pursuit of fourth? I think if Liverpool fail to, to make the top four, it's how they fail that'll be key. Um... I think the points total will be a factor in, in whether people uh, attack or defend Brendan Rodgers. He got 61 points last year, which was deemed as, as not good, but respectable given that he'd started the team with a decimated squad and had to play you know, swathes of, of under-20s in the early part of the season. So he got a bit of a pass on that. Um, this year, I think he has to be pretty close to the 70-point mark. If he fails and they finish fifth or sixth... Uh, I think I think Liverpool have to have about a 70 point season for people to go and do you know what he failed but it was tight and he'll push on and another two or three points with a couple of players will we'll go with that so it's how he fails it's key if he fails very very interesting uh, Rob it's been an absolute pleasure even though it's been a shortened one 
For me too, Dave. To have you back on the show. Uh, you've experienced two presenters as well, you know. I know, I know. Two for the price of one. Your radio career is just expanding by the week. I know they, they, they say footballers shouldn't want players in their position to get injured, but I'm hoping for more injuries for Neil from here on in. Uh, I've enjoyed I, it that much. Sorry, Neil. I hope so, secretly too. <laughs> uh, you've been listening to All in the Game. We're back, same time, same place next week. It's All in the Game on City Talk 105.9.